0: Hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey guys, Joey Ryan,
1: Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365 Thanks so much for the support that I've received from the podcast. I'm really excited to bring you each episode that comes out. Well, today is no exception. I interviewed a friend of mine, Jake Lawson, who's the owner and CEO of Breakout Billiards Apparel. And we talked about being an entrepreneur in this business and, you know, ways to grow the sport of pool. And his most recent endeavor, which is Billiard Sports Network, where he partnered with his friend Josh Sutterfield... And originally, it was going to be a streaming company, kind of media company. Well, now it's turned into a pool promotions company. They have six events scheduled for this year, including two juniors events. And so I really wanted to get this out to you so you guys were aware of it. I've met several awesome junior players over the last several weeks. And I just want people to know about these events so the juniors can get the exposure. And then also the the top players, right? These are Open Pro events, the other four that they're doing. And so we need that now. After a rough 2020, uh, we recorded this episode a really long time ago. So my apologies to Jake. I've really been tied up, uh, but I think you guys are really going to appreciate this episode. Also, folks have asked me ways that they can support the podcast. The first way is subscribing on YouTube. I really appreciate all the the following and the folks that are subscribing. That helps to grow the channel. But also, there's a couple other ways. Uh, I have a PayPal link, and certain folks have offered donations through PayPal, which I really appreciate, and I put right back into the channel. And then I also have a Patreon account, and if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a way that if you believe in what I'm doing here, that you can support with a monthly donation. We're talking a couple bucks to really throw your support behind Pool Player Podcast. In fact, I wanted to give a shout-out to Tyler Olds, who is a Patreon supporter. I really appreciate the support, brother also uh you can purchase merchandise and so i'll have a link up there to merchandise and i want you to wear the merchandise so if for any reason you purchase something and it's it's the wrong fit or you don't like it please let me know i'll take care of that because i want you guys to wear it i want people to see it every time you're at a pool room or at your you're at a tournament i want people to get excited about it so that's the way you can support me so i really appreciate it so guys this is going to be fun. Sit back, relax, and listen to the smooth sounds of Mr.
0: Jake Lawson.
1: Hey, Jake. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
0: Hey, Joey. What's happening? I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so this, if this set looks familiar to the audience, it's because this is where Sean Wilkie did his interview. So, uh, But this is your place, right, Jake?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's my place, and, uh, you know, Sean was a little, like, kind of timid, you know, he, he was excited about doing the interview, but he's like, man, I don't, you know, I don't have any equipment, and I don't know how to set it up, and since you have a podcast already, you know, you mind if I come over and do it at the house? And, of course, you know, Sean's one of my best friends, so I'm like, yeah, man, whatever you need, and uh, I had to stop watching that episode, like, almost, I was watching live when you were questioning him, and, you know, obviously the first five minutes of that episode hit really, really hard with him. And I actually had to walk out of the room because I've heard the story many times. And I was getting choked up right there. I was like, I got to go, you know. Yeah. But it was it was a great interview. And I think um, I saw a lot of people kind of commenting uh, on that video. And it really struck a nerve for everybody that he was so open. And you don't really see that a lot, I guess, with pool players or, or anybody really in general. So it was it was real, one of my favorites to to rewatch uh after you posted it.
1: Yeah, I've known Sean for a long time and you know, we competed against each other and I consider him a friend and he had told me that story but I didn't expect him to share that the way he did and the way he opened up and you know, so obviously uh let's let's jump over to you real quick. Uh you uh have a business background, you're an entrepreneur, you've had even before you got into the pool industry, you've had business endeavors. Tell us about some of your businesses and kind of what led you to the pool world. Well, you know,
0: I've actually been in business for myself for over 20 years. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't know. You know, at a very early age, I started a a PR firm. and I mean, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, since I was a kid, right? We're like selling lollipops on the bus and You know, like, it was kind of that little thing. Like, I always knew that I had it in me, um, you know, even at a young age. But I had started a PR firm, and um, we really didn't even know kind of what our market was at the time. And come to find out, we were, like, way ahead of the curve when when I started this. And what I mean by that is because social media and the Internet, the information technology age, really hadn't come full swing yet the way that it is now. And uh, so we – got into this niche where we were kind of protecting people's reputations um, like their personal reputations, their company reputations. And it all started when we removed. uh, We actually, there was some negative information about a a friend of ours that went to high school and that got removed. Like they were like, can you get this done? And I was like, I I don't know. I don't know if we can do this. And so, um, you know, through our uh, legal process, We were able we were able to get this information taken down, like completely wiped from the internet, like it never even existed. And so like I like it just dawned on me, I was like, man, we could do that, we could help a lot of people out like this, especially if, you know, there's information out there that's that's not true. I mean, like eighty percent of it, like if you're getting slandered, I mean nobody wants that up there if you're a business or you know, you're a professional, you're a teacher, you're in these type of industries. So you know, it's kind of like a light bulb went off and you're like, hey, this is something cool that we can do to help people out. And so I think that's where it all kind of started. Like, I just wanted to help people that were in a similar situation. And uh, so we started going down this path, you know, where we had, you know, we had one lawyer at the time. And then before you know, we had six attorneys that were, you know, working diligently on this. And like after the information age came in and the internet was super prevalent and you could find out anything about anybody that's when it really kind of kind of took off. And it was probably seven or eight years after we started. So it was a long time. I was still working a full-time job at the time. And uh, so it was it was crazy going into work, working twelve hours a day, then coming home and then working on my own business, you know, until you know, three or four in the morning, then turning around getting back up and going back into work at seven o'clock. So there was like a, a lengthy time. <laughs> You know, where it was just super tough and I was a lot younger, so it was it was a little bit easier. I, I, I can't do I stay now and work super late, but it's, you know, at least now I, I can like come come and go as I please, if, if you will. But, yeah, it was super tough, man. But then it just kind of took off. And then we started doing crazy business, not just in the United States, but all over the world. I mean, we've done stuff for high-profile clients that obviously I can't reach their names, I mean, say their names, but I mean, we've done some high-profile stuff for politicians, athletes, you know, football, basketball, all these type of players. So we've been kind of really blessed in that situation. And um, I don't know, it was just kind of super excited, like the way that it kind of snowballed for us. and, And now it's just, you know, kind of firing on all cylinders. And, you know, that kind of led me into you know, the, the apparel game a little bit, you know, because I was a pool player. Um, you know, it was it was supposed to be kind of like a fun type of thing. So when we I started Lights Out, it was really like in my living room. I think I remember telling somebody this story, like I'm sitting in my living room and I'm just thinking to myself, like I play a lot of pool and I'm not at, you know, I'm not at like the super high level like some of these guys are. But, you know, I, I play okay. You know, I play pretty well. And, um, you know, I wanted something really cool just for myself to wear. And I think that's where it all kind of started at. And uh, when I was sitting in my living room, I was like, man, light wall went off. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And um, so then I started down that road. But it was just supposed to be for fun, right? Like, I just was – I wanted something cool to wear while I was playing. And then people started seeing it. And people started asking about it. And, uh, and then before you know it, like, I have a sponsored player. Like, a lot of people think Wilkie – was our first player, but he actually wasn't. Cheska Centeno from the Philippines, young girl at the time, she was only fifteen, but she was a phenom mm-hmm. on the pool table, and she was actually our first sponsored player. And um, and then so then before you know it, it's like all right, well now we have her. Okay, now we have Wilkie. Then we're then we had Sky Woodward on our team, and I'm like, it felt like a blink of an eye for me, really. If I'm if I'm being honest, like I'm in my living room one day, the next, you know, like a couple months later. You know Shane Van Boone's, uh on, on the TV with Sky at the World Cup of Pool, and they're wearing our jersey. I'm like, how did that happen? Like it's it's all still surreal for me, even now. Like you know, I'm like five, six years in, and it's still surreal for me to see people wearing you know stuff that we that we do. So it's 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 been kind of cool, man. I gotta be honest with you, it's, I'm like a I'm like a kid inside still, and, you know, like I see it and I get giddy. I'm like, hey, he's wearing our stuff, you know? Like it's so cool, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned lights out and now you've rebranded to, uh, breakout billiards apparel. Uh, can you address that? Just let people know what happened.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, the thing is, is anytime with business, you know, there's, there's the fun part, right. That, that we all love everybody's rocking the clothes and, and, and all that, but behind closed doors, you know, there is a, a business side of it where things have to be done the right way. And, you know, we we were very fortunate enough early on to to basically do a licensing agreement. Um, you know, where we would have the rights to be able to use the phrase "lights out," and um, it was just supposed to be in increments of five years. And uh, you know, so like everything was done, you know, through the legal process, and and you know, on the up and up and all that. And then I don't know, man. Like in this industry, sometimes I just I have run across some unscrupulous people. I guess is the best way to put it. And in business, you find this a lot. And for me, I don't want to say like I'm very naive to it because I, I think that I'm not. Um, but it's very different from, I'd say, like non-pool world uh, businesses. And, you know, I, you know, I don't know the best way to, ex- to explain it is maybe somebody got greedy. I, I don't know. But, you know, the agreement was going to get changed. And so I had to make a tough decision at the time. You know, do I want to go down this road and fight it? You know, and now I've I've had, you know, my other business for over 20 years. So I have a legal team and so I can address them and say, hey, look, you know, what's what's the best idea here? Like, what, what should we really be doing? And because they have all my, you know, a lot of money of mine already, you know, they are really looking out for my best interest. And, and they just said, look, I mean, if you want to fight it, you can fight it. But this is what you're going to spend. You know, like you're going to spend 200 grand maybe fighting this thing. And even though you're in the right, you still have to fight it, right? And, um, you know, do you really want to do that? And and the answer is no, you know, because I feel like the money, you know, this whole thing with with the apparel um, was supposed to kind of be like, you know, getting the players involved and and everything was very surrounded by like this family atmosphere. Um, You know, the best way for me to describe it is like if you drive a Jeep, right? Like they have this whole thing if you're driving a Jeep and you own a Jeep, and you drive by somebody and they're in a Jeep too. Like you just kind of like put your hand out the door and you don't say nothing. And it's just to signify like, Hey man, I got a Jeep. You got a Jeep. Like, you know, it's a Jeep thing, right? It's, they have it plastered on the window. That's what it was about. And so like that thought process really wasn't in my head in the beginning, but like the whole apparel thing was supposed to be about camaraderie and family. Like, so if you're wearing the gear and I'm wearing the gear and we see each other and we don't know each other, like, we know we're cool, right? Like, oh, that's my man over there. He's, you know, he's rocking, he's rocking the same gear. Like, we're cool. And so that's what it was supposed to be about. It was almost like a brotherhood. And um, so I just felt like if I were going to go down this road through the legal process, like, I mean, it's 200 grand out the window. Like, you know, why do that when money can be spent in a, in a more positive way, I think is the best way to explain it. And um, so I actually have a, a minority partner who uh, owns the, uh, he owns Bruising Crews, Bruising Cues. It's funny that I say that because a lot of people say the same thing. And I'm like, I'm correcting them. I'm like, no, it's Bruising Cruise, Cues. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I did it again, you know. And yeah. Um, yeah, but he's a minority partner with me. Uh, he, he saw what was kind of going on and he wanted to get involved a few years back. And uh, so, you know, I discussed it with him and he just said, look, man, he said, you know, I don't think that we should be doing that either. And uh, so he was very, um, very positive about the whole thing. And and he understood. And he just said, look, you know, what are we going to do moving forward? So luckily enough for me, back in 2016, I had plans to release two other apparel brands. And it's kind of weird because I was going to release them. And just let them grow naturally. Right. Like I wasn't going to attach my name to anything. I was just going to put it out there in the market and just see how it did. And so I had been sitting on breakout apparel and another one, uh, which I'm not going (laughs) to share. I'm not sharing it on the show, but I was sit, I was sitting on these two. And so it just made sense to me. I'm like, look, we can pivot, you know, we can go to breakout. I already have this, this process already done for this. And even though it was meant to be something different, um, I think that this is the road that we should go down. And the toughest part really for me was, is it was, it was a tough pill to kind of swallow. And, um, I would be honest, I was very stressed out at the time. And, um, you know, everybody was like, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. But the toughest part for me was, is now I have to call all the players, like all the players that we sponsor people that are super close, you know, to me and the brand and explain to them, like, this is what we're doing. This is the pivot. And so I called every single person that was on our roster and very much to my surprise, honestly, everybody was like, Hey man, we're with you. You know, like we're with you 100%. And I did not anticipate it to go that way. I thought, Hey, we're going to, we're going to lose a couple people. Right. I mean, we had some big names like Allison and Lori John and, you know, Aronis and Wilkie and some of these guys. So I thought for sure, you know, somebody was going to be like, no, I want to go a different route. And still to this day, I don't, I don't know why everybody stayed, you know. Um, I'm very thankful for it, but they believed in me. And they're like, we're, we're going to go down this path with you, you know, no matter what. And we're cool with it. And um, that really meant a lot to me. And the next part was obviously the, the fan base and, and the customers. And, you know, we've had really solid support, you know, through the transition. So, yeah, it was an unfortunate thing, but um, I think that it's for the better, you know, it allows us to do so many more things now, um, you know, without this kind of cloud, you know, over top of us. So I- I'm excited about what the future has to hold. And we're still doing awesome, you know, awesome custom gear for people. I know you just you just got a custom polo in like these are the things that I really love to do. I didn't know that I had like this design type gene in me. Like I-, <laughs> I never did these type of things, you know, and but it's really like. I don't know, cathartic for me. Like I like getting in and digging into, you know, doing different things and, and kind of messing with the designs and, and come up with cool ideas, you know, that maybe people haven't seen before. And, um, you know, it just, it allows me to, I don't, know, I don't know, like I'm kind of at peace a little bit with it because when you're going through the process, like you, I mean, like I get lost hours and ends, you know, just sitting in, in front of the computer and, and, and tinkering with things. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very restful and and peaceful place for me to be doing it. And and I, it turns out that I love to do it. So yeah, it's, it's been cool, man. It's been really cool.
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, you mentioned the players that decided to stay with you and you're not sure why, but I have an idea why. And, you know, you don't pay me anything at all. You don't sponsor me in any way. I just, I just like your stuff. So I buy it, you know, and, There's other stuff out there that I purchase and and wear because I like it. You know, I either like the way it looks or the way it feels and you have some great products and I I think that might be a big reason why a lot of folks stayed with you is because of the quality. So tell us a little bit about the apparel and kind of what sets you apart from other apparel companies.
0: Well, you know, like in the very beginning it was it was a learning curve for me because most of the businesses that I have are, are service based. So I really hadn't been in a, a situation from myself owning a business where we're actually selling a product. So, you know, when I say learning curve, I mean, it felt like a lot larger than that because there are so many things that come involved, you know, that come into play when when you're doing this, you know, where do you get the gear from? You know, how do I buy it? Do I buy it in bulk? And, you know, like at one time we're sitting on like $30,000 worth of inventory. So like there's all these things that that come into play when you're doing it. So in the beginning, we were doing, like, I don't I don't want to say, like, semi-custom, but, you know, like, a lot of the stuff we were doing, what you see in the market are, are, are blanks. You know, like, people were, like, find a blank, and then they put their stuff on it or whatever. And that's kind of what we were doing a lot in the beginning because I didn't know any other way. And, you know, what I kind of saw as, you know, like, Lights Out was evolving and then, you know, even into Breakout, you know like there was more and more and more and more people entering into the market and it made it super easy for them to just find out what you're doing right like you could just buy a shirt look at look at the tag and then you'd be like all right well, I can go find that and then you go down through that process so really for me what I wanted to do was I wanted to I wanted to keep it cool like if you order a custom piece from me like I want to make it one off right I don't want to make a custom piece that's, you know, like I make 25 of them. So when you're out somewhere, like, you know, you see somebody else wearing that same custom piece. So I really try to focus on, you know, making one off pieces. So if you come to me with an idea and we design it together, right? Like this is how you and I did it. You gave me an idea. You're like, this is kind of what I want. You know, I want to represent where I'm at right now in Arizona. Let's figure out how to make that work. So a lot of my conversations with customers are very similar to how you and I had a conversation. Like, I just try to, to get in their head and try to see the vision, right? Because it's super tough sometimes when people are explaining something to you. Like, you have to filter through it all. And and so that's kind of what is setting us apart now is that, yeah, we still do those pieces. Like, you know, where, you know we'll do some regular polos that, you know, have the logo stitched on them and stuff like that, which is cool because you need that. You know, and I'm not suggesting that anybody get away from that part. But I think that really being able to one-on-one customize something with somebody, you know, so that they get a one-off piece. That way, when you go out to a tournament and you're rocking that polo, you're not going to see another guy wearing that polo yeah. because you and I worked on it, right? So and I'm not going to replicate that again. And so I think that that's something that really kind of sets us apart. And the quality. I mean, it's, the stuff is 100% made from scratch, cut and sewn, you know, everything's made into the, the, the fabric itself. So it's not going to, you know, it's not going to come off. It's not going to peel. You know, these are the type of things that are super important to me. Like in the very beginning, before we started making, I I experimented with vinyl, you know, like a lot of people put like vinyl and polos and, and shirts like that. And I, I didn't even bring any of that stuff to market because I tried it on myself personally. And like after one or two washes, it starts peeling and cracking. And I'm like, I can't have this out there, you know? So I think the attention to detail and the focus and the, and the customization, you know, even now to where we're customizing teas, you know, like you get a tea from us, you know, it's got our tag in and it, it's, it's 100% like something created from us and you can get a customized tea if you want, just like we did your polos, you know, and the hoodies and, and some of these things. So I, I think that that, that right there, is what really kind of sets us apart and the fact is is there's not too many ceos you can just pick up the phone and call and get them on the phone right like it's a funny story like i want to bring this up because you didn't know we were, i was going to bring this up but i want to now because now it's after christmas but like Uh-oh. for instance i talked to your mother on the phone <laughs> my mom <laughs> i talked to your mother on the phone you don't i don't you don't know this whole story so i've been waiting to tell this i've been waiting to tell this to you and it's perfect because we're on air now so i can tell you So, like, one of the things that, like, um, your brother, Dave, of course I know, and he still lives out here in Maryland. Well, he's really good friends with a guy that I went to high school with named Steve Bauer. And so when Steve and I started kind of reconnecting, you know, and he knew that I played pool, he's like, man, I got a friend, Dave, that plays pool. So I didn't even know he was your brother at the time because the last name didn't come up. And so we all went and watched a UFC fight together locally here in, in Westminster. And so they introduced me and he says, I'm Dave Ryan. And, and, um, you know, we started all talking about pool because Steve knew that's what I did. And Dave's like, yeah, maybe you know, my brother. And I was like, who's your brother? And he's like, Joey Ryan. I was like, Joey Ryan's your brother. <laughs> I, I had just seen you in Vegas. You know, we were just out of Vegas eating yeah. at the pretzel, the whatever that pretzel place was up in the, in the Rio. Yeah. And, um, so I was like, no kidding, you know? So then, you know, obviously the pool world is super small. And so I've con- I've stayed in contact with Steve and uh, and actually Dave came up to a place that I shoot pool a-, a few weeks ago and we we're kind of talking about your podcast and uh, so they reached out to me and Steve's like hey man uh, you know uh, Joey and Dave's mom is trying to order something and she wants to pay for it but send it out to Joey for Christmas <laughs> and you know because of the you know like anytime you order online like if the address doesn't match up to the the credit card, it gets yanked right. Like yeah. this, security stuff is in place, you know. So there, it, it lowers the fraud. So I was like, "Yeah, no problem." I said, "Um, just," I said, "I'll reach out to Dave and, and get her number." So I actually called her on the phone and, like, I walked her through the whole process manually. I said, Look, "What do you want? What do you want to order? You know, what do you want to do?" And and I worked it out completely for her. So I think, like, you know, it's a kind of a funny little story. And she ordered. She ordered a hat for Dave, your brother, and she accidentally ordered a kid's hat. Really? And so as I'm, yeah, as I'm talking to her on the phone, she was like, you know, I really hate to say this, but I ordered a hat from the website and I think that it's a kid's hat and there's no way it's going to fit Dave's head. And so I said, you know, let me take a look at the order. And so I go in there and, she, and sure enough, like she ordered a, a youth hat. And so like I was able, because I was talking to her on the phone, like, I was able on the fly to be like, look, I mean, the order is already in process, but let's just scrap it. Right. And I'll just send you out another one. And so I put in another manual order for a hat. So obviously she's going to get the kid's hat, too. But like being able to, you know, speak to somebody. It just so happened that it was your mom. But let's just talk about any customer, like being able to talk to somebody on the phone. I think that this is something that has kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. you know, and it's, and a lot of it has, you know, just look at, at car washes now. Like, if you look back in the 50s, right, like, you would go to a service station, and the guys would come out, they would fill out your, they would blow up your tires, put air in them, you know, clean everything. Like, they even did oil changes, like, right there for you on the spot. Like, it was a whole big show,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you didn't even have to get out of your car, and now when you go to a car wash, you're, like, in a wind tunnel, you know, that blows water and stuff on you and soap, and sometimes your car doesn't even come out clean, but, it, it was, it's like a, it, you know, it's a faster process, right? But I think that, I think that people kind of long for, you know, still that interaction. So for me, you know, I love that stuff. So being able to talk to a customer on a phone and, and work something out with them, like, or even just what we did with you, you know, and go through your mind and, and what you want, like to me, that's so important because, you know, it it, it lends some personalization to not just the process, but, You're getting to a lot of these people that buy stuff. I know them. And it's because I've had so many conversations with them on, you know, what they want to buy or how they want to do things. And I think that that's super important because I want people to support the brand because of me, you know, like I want them to understand like, Hey man, he's willing to go out and do whatever it takes, like whatever the right thing is to do um, regardless of anything else, regardless of money, regardless of, you know, if he's got to make two other things, whatever the process is, And I think that it's easier because that's how I buy things, right? Like I buy things based off of my emotion and my connection to, you know, to the other people. It's either the people, the products, right? We never buy products. We don't ever buy products because we want to buy the product. And I think that's what people misunderstand. We buy products because of the way that they're going to make us feel right. Like you buy the shirt, you're buying the polo, the custom polo because how it's going to make you feel when you're playing, yeah. you know, like everybody used to joke when they bought, like bought stuff from us. They're like, Oh, you know, if you buy the gear, man, it makes you two balls better. And I'm like, yeah, it does. You know, <laughs> it makes you two balls better. But the truth of it is, is like, you didn't get two balls better. The truth of the matter is, is that while you're playing, you feel so good because you know, you look good. Yeah. That elevates your mind. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'd make that joke that you're two balls better, but it's not, but that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about, the feeling and the emotion. Like, when I'm out there playing and I'm, I'm rocking, like, maybe my newest or coolest thing, I feel good, man. Yeah. You know, so it makes me play a lot better. And I think that that is super important, you know, when it comes down to how we're hammering home the message, you know, with Breakout Apparel. And, uh, yeah, I know I just totally went off on a no. tangent.
1: Well, it first that,
0: that I was talking to your mom, so I was like, I got to tell him the story.
1: No, first of all uh... – you know, I have my feelings hurt a little bit because I thought I was getting all this individual attention from you, oh, yeah. but now I find out you do that with everybody, so okay. I know.
0: Um, he but, says to me, he says, man, I got I got the polo. You said that was super cool, and I was like, actually, man, your mom said that, so make sure that you, you call her and thank her.
1: Yeah, I did. So, uh, but uh, secondly, I, I really agree with that point, and I've always said this, look good, feel good, play good. It's the old yeah. Jer- Jerry Rice thing. He'd stand in front of the mirror for 45 minutes before the football game to make sure every crease was perfect over his padding and he looked great. I tell my kids that they all play club soccer competitive soccer, and I tell them you know they 'll go out there the uniform looking a little raggy I, I stop them no you know get it tucked in look good feel good play good I hundred percent believe in that so yeah. uh, I in fact, I just received that custom polo that you sent and i 'm so excited to get out there i I recently just played a couple money matches. And so I don't have anything on the calendar. So now I got to get something on the calendar so I can get out there and uh, play with that new polo. So
0: You're going to have to get back in the grease, man.
1: I know. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So tell me a little bit, you you have the Breakout Apparel brand, but you also started kind of a a media company, promotions type of thing, Billiard Sports Network. Tell us what that's all about and, and some of the plans that you have.
0: Yeah. So that's an interesting story. Like, you know, I talk a little bit about, you know, like the, the, the darker side, the unscrupulous side, you know, of of running into certain people in this industry, but there is a very positive and very lighthearted side of of this industry. And I've been super lucky to run into and meet people like Sean Wilkie, you know, um, he's turned out to be one of my best friends. Right. And, not only is he one of my best friends, and yes, he's a sponsor player, but he is literally one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. You know, and I'm into my 40s, man. So that, that is just tells you right there. Like, and so sometimes along the way, you meet just awesome, awesome people. And this is kind of how BSN and Billiard's Network's, um, Billiard Sports Network started. I was in Virginia Beach with, with Wilkie. And we're at the first Barry Berman uh, annual memorial, uh, put on by Qmasters Masters in Virginia Beach, and uh, Gary Warnoff, who is the, the general manager down there, you know, host of the he used to host the U.S. Open there. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm going through this tournament, and there was a guy there, and he's helping somebody else stream the event. Like he wasn't the the main guy; he was like the secondary guy, right? And um, he just so happened to be commentating, and he asked me if I wanted to come in the booth since I sponsored Wilkie and commentate the match. So, of course, I said, yeah, no problem. You know, this is kind of like in my wheelhouse, even though I hadn't really done it before. You know, like I'm used to talking to people on a, on a grand scale. So I get in there, and we're going through the motions, and we're talking, and, uh, you know, we just kind of hit it off. Like it was just like, you know how you when you're commentating with somebody, like sometimes there's some, some ebb and flow to it. Like it, it just seems so good. And I think that that has to do with the other person that you're in the booth with. So after we had gotten done the match, you know, he was like, man, he was like, you were really good in here, like, and you knew all this stuff about the players and you're adding all these things to, and he was like, I really enjoyed it. And so we got to talking more, you know, and I told him, you know, I owned the apparel company and I sponsored, you know, a couple of these guys that were down there. And long story short, we remained in contact, you know, probably over the last, at that time it was maybe like six months or so. And um, so I started looking at some of these other streams that were out there. You know, And obviously, there's some huge ones like Matchroom. I mean, these these are major productions, you know, where they have 10 or 15 people at a time. Like, you have people managing cameras and, you know, all the processes. And, I mean, that's the height, right, of where we're at right now, you know, in the in the industry. And so for me, I was kind of looking at some of the other things. And I was like, man, like, these guys aren't even talking about the game or they're not talking about the run out or the shot or what he should have done here. Or, you know, like it was like, I don't know. It was like locker room talk, I guess a lot of it was. So for me, I looked at it like another area of opportunity to kind of elevate, you know, this, this sport that we love. And so I, I was like, man, I want to get in. I want to get into this part of it because I feel like the easiest way for me to affect change is if I am the change. Like if I'm in the, in the midst of it, I can make this stuff happen. And I've always kind of believed that a little bit in myself. So I reached out to the guy that was commentating and um, his name is Josh Sutterfield. And we started having a conversation and I was just like, look, this is, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. You know, I got a super good vibe from you and I would like you to be involved in it. And so, you know, we talked a little bit more about it and he was like, man, I'm in, you know? So I was like, cool. Cool. You know, this is what we're going to do. And then we started going through this whole process, you know, of what are we going to call it? What are we going to do with it? How are we going to do different things? And um, and and lo and behold, you know, BSN was born, the Billiard Sports Network. And really, it just, that started out to where we wanted to get in and start streaming matches. And the reason why we wanted to do that is because we wanted to make sure that we had professional commentary. You know, like everybody says when they're watching the match, I'm like, Jeremy Jones, he's like one of the best. You know, one of my good friends, Del Sim, was just um, commentate with him. And he was telling me, he's like, man, this guy is just so knowledgeable. Like, it's just so awesome being in the booth with him. So, like, when I think about those type of things, you know, not that we want to mimic it, but we want to, you know, we want to emulate it a little bit. You know, meaning let's let's be professional, you know, when we're doing this. Like, there are some times, obviously, you know, for the jokes and the cutting it up and, and having a little fun for and adding color, I guess, to the, to the broadcast, and, you know, but people want to know what's going on because there's a lot of people that watch pool that are like, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't know that he could carry him off this ball or I didn't know that, you know, that he was going to put inside, you know, high English and come three rails around back in a position because they're not at that that level, right? So I think a lot of people like hearing those type of things, you know, when you're going through the match play, and that's kind of how it was all born into it, and, um, and then we started just, trying to get better with what we did as far as streaming our matches. Um, You know, one of our strong points is we do all of our uh, ads in-house. So like when we get, we say sponsors, but it's really advertisers, right? We're selling advertising space. You know, when we get people in, like we try to create the best thing that you've ever seen, you know, based on our capabilities. And, and, you know, we don't have a a two or $300,000 studio, and Josh is one of those other people. Setterfield is a lot younger than I am, and we were just joking about it the other day because he was like, you know, older people, and I was like, older people? We like, how old is this guy you're talking about? He's like, what? Well, he's in his forties, and I'm like, come on, man, I'm in my forties too. Like, yeah. but he's he's young, he's younger, and so he's I don't want to say like he's moldable, but he's he's very open-minded, and he I like what and we entered into this partnership together and it has single-handedly been one of the best things, you know, that I've ever done with somebody because his partnership turned into a friendship and now he's, you know, also one of my best friends. And, you know, the camaraderie between us is just, it's undeniable and people can see it when we're in the booth and we're commentating and like, we're generally having fun with each other. Even when we do conversations like on the phone, I, sometimes I'm like, man, I wish we had the camera on for this because this is just hilarious, you know. Yeah. And he's just been a great guy, and he has so much to give, and he does a lot of our, a um, lot of our advertisements, and a lot of the back end stuff that has made us, you know, as successful as we've have been. And now, you know, we've, we're going down this road where we're going to be, you know, promoting and, and hosting our own tournaments and um so we're really excited about that that's the bsn cup and actually the name has changed now so originally it was going to be the bsn cup but we landed a a very good deal with dynospheres and so we brought them on as our title sponsor so it's actually going to be the bsn dynospheres cup so we're very happy about that so thank you dynospheres if you're if you're watching nice. and um yeah it's 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 super cool and so now we're going to we're going to host six events you know, here in Maryland. And um, this is going to be two juniors events. Both of those are going to be nine ball championships and they're going to be on seven foot diamond tables. And we're going to be in center pocket, which is in Bowie, Maryland. And they have just moved into this location and it is a huge, massive facility. They have 24 seven foot diamond tables. They have nine, uh, I'm sorry, they have five nine foot Rassen tables and the one Rassen is the the Victory too, which they use at the Moscone Cup, and that's in their VIP room. Wow. So when I talk about an awesome room to play in, like – and I was just down there yesterday for five hours. This thing is massive, this place. And so not only are we hosting the juniors tournaments, but we're going to host four Open Pro events, you know, 128 players, and, you know, knock on wood, obviously with everything going on with the pandemic – you know, if, if there's no restrictions, then, then that's the plan. But we've been very fortunate here in Maryland. So, yeah, we're super excited, man, about, about the, the BSN Dinosphere's Cup. And, uh, you know, we hope everybody comes out and, and supports it. It's it's going to be a massive, massive event. It
1: It sounds exciting. And the other thing that really gets me excited, though, is what you said about the professional commentary. So I think what we've seen... You know, over the last few years with improvements in cell phone technology and video and improvements in Wi-Fi and, you know, the ability to stream, everybody wants to stream, right? And but but there's kind of a gap between, you know, a quality video stream and being able to put that across the Internet. And then the commentary that goes along with it. So you're speaking my language there. I commentate matches out here in Arizona, Las Vegas, different places. And to me, that's really what sets it apart is having someone in the booth. You mentioned Dell and uh, Jeremy, I was actually watching some of those matches from the Texas Open. I thought Dell did a great yeah. job as well.
0: Oh, he's he's one of the best, man, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, Jeremy, I think, is the best. Most people would probably say that. And, you know, there's sure. Carl Boys is very good and a number of others. Uh, but that, to me, is that element that if we could figure out a way to get professional quality commenta- uh, commentating – on more of these stream matches i think that really elevates the game and so when that person who's not into pool pops it on or sees a live stream and looks at it no. they're gonna hang around for a little while because they're getting a description of what's happening and not just somebody shooting balls that they don't really understand how the game's being played so so let me change directions a little bit jake and talk about uh, you mentioned all the tournaments that you have coming up and the plans that you have. What else do we need to really kickstart this industry to get pool more mainstream or more popular? What do we need to do?
0: You know, I think that that's the, I mean, that's the elephant in the room, right? I mean, everybody asks the same thing. And, you know, I think that part of it is, is that we kind of have to look at where we came from and then where it halted at, Right. So you know, there's lots of different things that people point to, or maybe the reasons. Because look, I mean, there was a time when I was a kid. You know, I could go on ESPN, and I could—I was watching Johnny Archer, and I was watching Earl and Allison and Karen Corr, and so like we were there, right? Like we were in the mainstream. And sometimes I look back at some of these tournaments, like you know, older tournaments, and they had like 18,000 people in a in in a room watching, you know, players. And and now nice. I think it's. When you go and watch the tournament finals, man, I mean, let's be honest, if it's not the Moscone cup, you you'll be lucky to maybe find 20, 25 people that are surrounding the table if it's if it's not a money match, okay So you know, I think that it really starts with what happened, you know, like what happened to make us get to this place and the when we can understand that part of it, and then we can start to kind of change because I think that it's I think that it's multiple things, Joey. like I don't think there's just one thing that can change to get us back into, you know, kind of the limelight or back into mainstream media. Um, you know, a lot of people blame the IPT, right? Like, you know, and I have to say that I blame them too, but I think that those guys were probably the last people holding the knife, right? Like they put the knife in, that was the dagger that that probably sent us down this trajectory that we're in right now. But there was a lot of other things prior to that, you know, that, that happened. And, um, so I think that it kind of starts with us. I mean, you know, it starts with me. It starts with you. It starts it starts with the people that are in this particular industry at a certain point, right? Like what you're doing right now is great with the podcast. And, and the reason why I love it so much is because you're bringing awareness, you know, to the sport, which, A, I think is one of the things that need to happen. Like more of these things need to happen. So that way somebody from the outside is going to see it and say, you know, look, the, these are the steps that make it a viable business now, you know, because it's not just your podcast as a business. It's not just my apparel as a business, but pool as itself has to be a viable business. And I think like one of the things that I'm really kind of looking forward to is, you know, my buddy, Ed Ladowie up in New Jersey, he's been doing this NBL, you know, the national billiards league. And like, I'm super supportive of what he's got going on because I think that his motives are, are, are genuine and pure. And what I mean by that is that we need to be self-sustaining first as an industry before we take whatever this model is and try to go to, you know, ESPN or, or one of these, you know, Fox or something like that. Like we have to be self-sustaining, you know, there's gotta be money coming in and it's not always on the onus of, you know, people like you or me to be funneling. I mean, yes, we want to funnel the money back in, but it's got to be more than that. You know, we just can't keep recycling and recycling. Like something has to break and something has to give, and we're going to need outside help at some point. But you have to have a sustainable business model in order for that to happen. And, you know, I think Matchroom is doing a really great job at the highest scale of our sport, right? Moscone is the Super Bowl of pool. And so like what they're doing right now, is really great because they are bringing awareness. And I know a lot of it is, you know, a lot of people here in the USA get it. Moscone gets kind of a rough take because, you know, everything is done through Sky Sports and, and everything is like European based, right? And so a lot of people are like, oh man, you know, I gotta spend 20 bucks to watch it here. And, you know, like I feel like that's the only right now of it, you know, like spend the 20 bucks, man, watch yeah, it. Yeah, like,
1: give me a break. $20. It's
0: yeah, I know. You know, like, I mean, just spend the money and watch it but because it's not, I don't think that it's always going to be like this. See, like, yeah, you spend the $20, man, help support it. You're going to be able to watch it. Like you're never going to see better pool than you're going to see at that moment. Right. Because everything is involved, like is nerves, there's money on the line, you know, before the pandemic, you had fans in the, in the, you know, in the seat screaming, you know, like where do you get that in pull? Nowhere. So, like, I think that that is a model that works, and so I think that I think that that whole program can further, you know, getting us back into the mainstream. Because the twenty dollars payment for the United States, it's not always going to be here, but it's it's what's necessary right now yeah. for us to be able to do the things that we want to do. And so, I think that people really need to understand that um, you're you're be part of the solution, right? Like, one of the things that really gets me. A lot is that people point fingers right like this is the reason why it's wrong or this is you know a lot of people say earl oh earl you know snapping the stick on on the ground that's what caused it no that's not what caused it yeah. you know it may have there may be parts of it that have uh kind of gotten it to where it's at right now but the thing is just don't be part of the if you're not part of the solution right you're part of the problem yeah. so don't point fingers and say hey this is the issue okay if you're going to say that that's fine but give us a solution like, what's your solution to that?
1: And what are you going to do to get us Yeah,
0: Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing. Like, okay, if you don't play fingers, yeah, that's cool. Okay, you can do that. But if you're doing that, tell me a solution. Like, what's your idea, you know, to fix this problem or to further, you know, move it forward? And I think a lot of people you'll see, they don't have an answer for that because they haven't thought that far ahead. And so I think that people like us really need to be part of the change and come up with these different solutions. Um, you know, for me, I think that outside sponsorship is really important, but I just don't think we're there yet. I'm working super hard on my end, you know, to be able to get major outside sponsors like, you know, Coca-Cola. Like, remember we had a camel tour at one time, you know, like we had outside money coming in. And so I think in order to get there, we're going to need people to be in this this industry with us. Uh, and helping out, but we've got to give something back, right? It can't always be about me, 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 me. And I think that this goes forward to part of the the solution is the players. You know, like I know the players feel kind of jaded a little bit on a professional level, you know, because of some of the things that happen. I mean, you know, like the IPT, there was a lot of, there was people that didn't get paid, right? There was a whole thing about Efren, you know, was still like $600,000 or something crazy like that. You know, because he didn't get paid because I got locked up, yeah. you know, for extortion and all this stuff. So, like, I get it from a player's perspective. You're jaded, but it's okay to be jaded, but let's, let's find a way to work together and let's find a solution together. You know, one of the things that is very frustrating for me is, and I know you've, we've ta- I've heard you talk about this on the podcast before, is that there is no real line from being an amateur player to a pro player. And it's the only sport at a professional level where the amateur is much bigger, right? Like NFL is huge, but where's the, where's the farm league? I mean, these guys are coming out of college, you know, baseball, you have major league baseball players and people come up through a farm system, you know, before they even step foot on the field at a major league baseball game. And so I think that that is one of the things that we're missing as well. And I heard a little bit of it in your interview with um, Ozzy Reynolds, mm-hmm. you know, from, from CSI. And, you know, part of what you were saying is right. Like there is no like what do we say now? We're saying 720 Fargo rating is is considered pro level. Like even as I'm saying it, I'm saying it as a question because I don't know. Right. So I th- I think that the fact that there's no clear defined line, you know, of how you come out of, you know, being an amateur and the fact that the amateur part is so much larger right the apa so much larger than than the wpa and, and the and the pro pool and so like it's backwards a little bit so i think that a little bit of the onus is, is is on all of us right i think the apa needs to help out a little bit more i think they need to be more involved i think that there needs to be some type of system that says hey look if you get to this level right what's the level you're seven an eight ball, you're a nine and nine ball. When you get to this level, what do they do when you start winning pro tournaments? <laughs> they kick you out, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that there needs to be something else that kind of furthers it along. And if WPA, the WPA is going to be the governing body, then I think those two need to work together somehow, you know, to figure out a way to, you know, kind of merge people into this, this professional light. And I think that that's just a very small part. But if we can start there, you know, then and we see it working, you know, then we can build on these other things that need to happen. But somebody in, in these industries has got to say, hey, look, that's what we want to do and, 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 and make it happen. Let's not talk about it anymore. Yeah. If it was me, I would come in and just I'd be like, let's start our own governing body. Right. I hate to say that to the WPA, but I'm like, if we're not going to have people that are going to affect the change, then let there be somebody that comes in and makes the change. Okay. You guys don't want to do it this way. This is now the governing body. This is what we're called, whatever it is, you know, and then you get all the player support and then you have somebody that's got the voice of the players. And then they go to, you know, the APA and all these different you know places and say, look, this is what we're doing. We all need to work together. Right.
1: This is a hot topic, Jake. And it's one that I honestly, I'm kind of in a disagreement with a lot of people about where they believe the way to grow the sport is through the amateur ranks. And I live in a state where amateur pool is huge in Arizona. In fact, there's not many tournaments I can play in per month because of my skill level. But if you, if, if I played you know, down a hundred fargo points, I can play in a lot of events, and the sure, idea yeah. is no, we got to continue to build this amateur thing we got to build the amateur thing. I kind of disagree with that from the extent of we have nothing at the pro level really established right. as a, a formal pro tour or even to demarcate a professional from a non professional you know you take somebody who lives in in Virginia, you probably know Matt Clatterbuck. You know, the guy plays professional caliber pool, but he drives a UPS truck, you know, and so he has a job. That's where he gets his money. So is he professional? Is he not professional? You know, so we have those question marks floating around everywhere. And I really think that we need to take a a real fresh look at the top and say, let's establish something, even if it's small, but something for the pros that the amateurs can aspire to be a fan of, be a spectator of. And maybe attain that level one day, and I think that's something that we're we're missing pretty big right now. Um, you know, you look at it. If you go to any pool room on a night when APA or BCA or VNEA or Tap, and they're going on, and there's a 100, 125 people in a pool room, and you go up and start showing mug shots of like Alex Pagulayan yeah. or Sean Wilkie, you know, or uh, you know these different professional players, Justin Hall or Oscar Dominguez. They have no idea who no 99% of them are. They might know Shane, but they're more likely to know Allison or actually Jeanette Lee. She comes up all the time. Everybody knows the black yeah. You know, but right. but is that a problem that we have 120 people in a pool room right. who love pool and they can't pick out Justin Bergman? To me, that's Huge a big problem. problem. You know, and we have yeah. to work towards that. And so one of the things that I think is kind of interesting, you brought up match room. And Emily was pretty outspoken when I spoke to her on the podcast about really the players' responsibilities in their Instagram, their social media, really growing the game. And I think there's a huge opportunity there. I'm I've been trying to learn Instagram, it's super hard for me. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just I guess I'm one of those older people that your your partner Josh would talk about. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. He's talking about us, Joey. <laughs> yeah I'm a, Yeah, I'm forty-eight, so I'm I'm up there. But I think there's a huge opportunity where if, if these guys that are at the top of the sport and gals can gather a huge Instagram following, and it takes effort, right? But if they can do that, they can start getting us more towards that mainstream. And so I think that might be a route that we can look at uh, to really grow that social media presence. It takes work, let me tell you. I go every morning before 6 a.m., and I'm over there at the coffee shop, like doing a whole bunch of social media stuff just to kind of get caught up with what I do. So professional pool players might have to wake up in the morning. They might have to put out some tweets or put out some Instagram posts or some stories or, you know, Facebook or whatever. Um, But I think that might be a route that that could really help, something the players could do to really help,
0: you know. Well, I mean, it always starts from the inside, and you make a really valid point because at, at every pro level, right, I mean, at pro level of the sport, whether you're talking about basketball, baseball, or football, these guys all have Twitter and Instagram and all these different social media accounts. Now, they may personally not be posting this stuff because, you know, of who they are, but they have somebody that is posting for them. And so I 100% agree with what Emily was saying, you know, in regards to that during the interview. And and they it is on the onus of them, and I get a lot of players, you know, want to protect their privacy. But I have said this time and time again, and not just about pool, but about any pro level sport, whether you want to believe it or not, and you may not want it, but you are a role model to people. And that is just one of the things that come along with the limelight. You know, when you're a freaking Jose Canseco, you're, you're a role model to somebody and you got caught doing steroids and that reflects badly on you. So like you have to understand that you know, your public perception, you know, at that level is super important. And I'm not saying like be fake or be somebody that you're not, but you have to understand, man, like if a nine-year-old is like playing pool and he is super enthralled with Shane Van Boning, when that nine-year-old meets Shane, like, and I'm just using Shane as an example, right? Because he's, you know, the, the top player, you know, in the United States, like it's on Shane to recognize that that part is happening, and then handle that accordingly for that kid, because you are a role model in that instance for him. And that goes along for everybody else, like the PAG Alliance and all these people. Like, so the fact that you can get on social media, and if you don't know it, like reach out to somebody to help, because there's a lot of industry people, industry leaders, you know, whether you're sponsored by Predator or, or, or these other big companies, like they all have a marketing department, right? They all have people in there that I'm sure that you can reach out to and be like, hey, how do I do this? Because Twitter is absolutely huge, right? With celebrities and pro players, and that was one of the things that I've noticed. Like we're real big on Facebook, you know, but the pros and the celebrities are huge on Twitter. Yeah. So like, there is an avenue there that is being missed um, by the players that
1: they could and get I paid think. for, and and the shirts sp- sure. and the sponsors could get paid for, and so I think yes. that should be. I don't even know how all these deals work, but I have a feeling that a lot of them are product, right? So you're sponsored by this company. You get product. You're able to sell that product. You make a cut of that money, which is kind of sucky because you're not really a salesperson. You're a pool player. Uh, But what I would do if I were the players is I would negotiate into every deal that you need to provide somebody to help me with my social media. And in turn, for that company, they get their hashtags on everything that goes out right? But if they have someone, like you said, these big companies, they all have a marketing department. And if they have 10 players that they're sponsoring, then have somebody assigned to those players to beef up their social media presence. Cause I think that could be huge and the players can make money. The company would then make money and we would get outside of this, this rut that we're in of just being stuck to pool players. You know, one other thing you mentioned that that I think is interesting, you brought up the WPBA and I don't, or WPA. It's a hot topic right now. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Charlie Williams down in Florida with Dragon Promotions, I think it's been like a decade and a half or so, maybe two decades that he's put on the World Straight Pool Championship. Yeah. And WPA threatened to uh, find players who played right. in his World Straight Pool Championship uh, because they're the only ones that are supposed to have a world championship, which... They don't, they don't even have straight pool tournaments. So I thought that was really interesting. I'm wondering your take on that.
0: You know, it's, it's, man, it's, it's so tough. Like, this is a question that really puts me on the spot, but you know, like I understand from the WPA's perspective about, you know, holding world tournaments. But with that said, like, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like if you're the governing body and you're not going to be proactively making moves, like, you can't be upset that somebody else is going to come in and say, hey, we're all, you guys don't want to do this? Well, we're going to do it, you know, because he's trying to affect change. And, and and I say that. I'm not saying that I support the whole thing, you know, with the, the world 14-1 because, I, you know, like I'm on both sides of the fence a little bit. But I think that because of what we're seeing with the WPA, you know, and in my opinion, they are not doing enough to further the sport, right? Um, you know, what is it to hold a world champ? It's like 25,000 added or something is what it needs to be. Is that, uh, is that I, correct? Do you that know
1: something like, I don't know. Uh, it's, Fedor- it's a big figure, right. That
0: you have to have. I know, and
1: so, I know Fedor won the world nine ball championship last year and I think he got $30,000 for first place.
0: Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like they, they're basically saying in order to have a world, uh, rated championship, like you have to have X amount of dollars in, in the pot. And so, like, I don't think that that's enough to say that, right? Like, you're, you're not actively doing anything, and I'm not trying to bring down the structure or whatever. I'm just saying, like, if you're, if you're the WPA and you're, you're the governing body, then it's on the onus is on you to affect change. And you can't help it if somebody else is going to go out and do it because you don't want to. Because I've said it to myself before in the past, if I have an opportunity, I would buy the WPA, And I would make it the way that I feel like it should be made for the players. And so, like, if that's not going to happen, right, if if WPA, if you're not going to sell and you're not going to do what needs to be done, then I guess you can't fault somebody else for going out and doing it because I just said it earlier. Like, if it means that somebody else has to say, this is the name of our company and this is going to be the governing body of pool, how can the WPA stop that they can't? You know, and once you have all the players involved, then that entity. Now we're the governing body of pool. Now we can make the changes. So, like, I can't fault Charlie for doing what he's doing, and I really don't. I mean, I get the part of the you know you're going to find players and stuff like that, but again, I think that's under the players, and a lot of it has to do with the fact Joey is that we don't have a union, and so that's that's one of the things that I have been talking about for the last five years you have a union, like, so, you know, they have the NFL PA, which is the players union for football. They have one for basketball. They have one for every sport. Why don't we have one for pool? So there actually needs to be a union for pro pool players and whoever, whoever creates that, you know, doesn't have to be a pool. Like you don't have to be a pro play pool, a pro pool player, but there's gotta be a guy there that establishes this and then has all the pool players involved at the pro level in that union. And the reason why this is so important is, is because when you have all the players, and now you're you you have this union. Now the union can go to the WPA and say, "Look, this is what needs to happen. These are the changes that have to happen, or these guys aren't going to play in your tournaments anymore, right?" It's it, it's almost similar to like how they just change. So I'm big Washington. I'm a big football fan, as you know, and. Um, I'm a Washington – a root for the Ravens, obviously, because I'm here, but I've always been a Washington football fan. Now we call them the Washington football team. And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. They have been talking about changing the name Washington Redskins for a very, very long time here. Now, it's become a lot more public now, you know, with everything that went down. But a lot of people don't know that this has been going on since, like, 1972 that they have been trying to, to make the change. And do you know how they effectively got the name changed? Because Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, he did not want to change it. And, you know, I don't know if this is a lot of uh, regular information that's out there about this, but he was adamant about not changing it. And you know why he did change it? Because all the sponsors that were inside, and I mean Coke, Pepsi, all all the huge companies that sell their products in the stadium, they said if you don't change the name, then we're pulling all of our stuff out. So they forced him to make the change, which it should have been changed anyways. Like, let's be honest. You know, like, it is a little bit racist, right? You know, the term. So I think that it should have been changed at some point. But he didn't want to make the change, so they forced him to do it. And it's a very similar thing here with pool. If you have a union where everybody that's a pro player is part of it, you can affect change at the highest level. And so I think that it starts there. And I know Alex tried to do something like this not too long ago, and maybe it didn't kick off the right way. But I think somebody that is not a pool player needs to come in and say, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work. We need all the players' support. And then once you have that group of people, then you can go and effect the change You know, at the WPA in the highest level. That is what really needs to be done first, I think, and foremost.
1: Well, admittedly, I need to learn more about the WPA uh, to be honest, but I think in some ways with the way they handled this world straight pool championship, they're almost trying to act like a union, but to the detriment of the players. In yeah, the game. Right, I mean, right. We're going to, we're, you know, you're not going to be allowed to play in an event that's called a world championship. And if you do, we're going to find you $500. You know, they're trying to take that role. So I could see it now. You and I create a union right now for all the yes. players. And we tell the WPA, Hey, you need to, you know, have X amount in your prize funds or our players aren't playing and <laughs> then they get us back by doing the same thing, you know. Like I don't know how it's going to happen, but I I agree. I think there does need to be some more organization. I don't like I'd love to get somebody from the WPA on here and talk to them about it because I don't like the way that came across. And one thing I can tell you, they're going to catch a lot of blowback on this. Yeah. Charlie Williams uh, I had played against him before, I knew him a little bit, and then I spent a good deal of time with him at Mike Davis's wedding, we were both groomsmen in that wedding, and I tell you, there's not many folks that are sharper than him, and have a business acumen like him, and kind of like you, have a bunch of lawyers, <laughs> so I think that that situation is going to be interesting, the way that thing plays out, and really the public sentiment, right, that might be the most important thing. You know the public sentiment about it, and will players like a Josh filler or Fedor or you know Shane or somebody who has a chance to win the world championship? Will they just say, you know what, I'm not going to the world championships this year? That would be interesting.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, it's again, it starts with the player. Like you, it's the whole thing with monopoly. Like they can't be the governing body and be the union all at the same time. So, like, yeah, I mean, we could do all these type of things, but. You know, it's going to start with the players too taking a stand. And interesting enough, like if they do say that, and it's a, it's a domino effect, so it can't just be one guy, right? Like you can't have like a fatter be like, all right, well, I'm not playing it. But it may start with one person. But then if you get everybody that's like, you know, we're not going to play in it, then what? They're forced to make a change. You know, so like the masses, right? We always say like, uh, you know, it starts with one person, but you really need everybody involved you know, to take a stand. And that's what's really, what's really important. It's about what's right, Joey, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can't have just somebody coming in and and I know it it sounds weird because like bucking the system at the highest level. Right. But the thing is, man, is that people love an underdog. Right. So, I mean, it can start with one guy, but you need everybody who's involved to stand up and do what's right. And I think that once you do that, like that's the model for everything. Right. I always tell people there's three different things in life, okay? One is you do the right thing because uh, you're forced to do it, okay? The second is that you do the right thing because you expect that something's going to come back around for you by doing it. But the third is the most ultimate goal and the way to be is to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. Not because somebody told you and not because you're expecting something in return. And it's taken people a long, it's taken me a very long time. And I think that I have gotten to that point in my life. And I think that we all need to strive to do that. And I think that if we can do that, then when you have these organizations like that, you know, for us, like with my companies, we just do the right thing. And it doesn't matter about money. Like, if you don't like it, give it back 100% satisfaction guarantee. So, like, at a WPA level or or a massive level like that, you have to do the right thing. So if it's not right for the players, then don't do it. You know, and, and then you wouldn't have a situation like, you know, with Charlie having to go out and do it on his own. I mean, right? That's a that's a consequence for what happened with the WPA. They're like, oh, we're, we're not doing 14-1. Okay, well, there's still people that love this game. And matter of fact, I love it too because we do the American fourteen-one, and it is probably I would I think that it's having kind of a renaissance a little bit because now I'm seeing a lot more players, you know, playing you know fourteen-one, and so I think that it actually has it can come back more into the limelight, and I love enjoying watching it. But you can't just say as a as as the the you know the top line oh, we're not going to do this and expect somebody not to go out and, and figure it out on their own. That's that's nonsense. Well, and you know I mean?
1: and they've been doing it for over a decade, Charlie and right. Dragon Promotions. So it's like why this year, you know? So I don't know. Well, the pandemic—that's right. why, Joey. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted that's to ask why. you. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a lot about you and your companies and what you're doing for the sport. And we kind of got off into a sidebar there where we're just like having a conversation, which I think is great. And we'll have to have you on again and we'll do this sometime, but uh, take us through who is a part of your stable now. Who do you have there? Maybe not everybody. Oh but just man. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I would definitely forget somebody. And so, and I thought that you asked me this and I was like, I should just make a list, but you know, we have that, we have a partnership with Allison Fisher Um, you know, where we have the Allison Fisher line on our website. So I'm getting a lot of
1: requests for her, Jake.
0: Yeah. She's awesome, man.
1: If you can hook it up. She is awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely can. I definitely can hook that up. She is. um, So I met her real quick. I know this, we go down these lines and I'll be really quick with this, but I met her like seven or eight years ago, maybe longer now. I actually took her class. She had a, she has a, a academy, the Allison Fisher Academy. And so I took her class and went to North Carolina And it was myself, my cousin, and there was like two other people there that I didn't know at the time. So it was very small, four people's the whole weekend. You know, you come in Friday, she takes you out to dinner. And like, so this was my first experience with somebody at her level, you know, because to me, I watched her growing up. So I'm like, to me, she's the Michael Jordan, you know, of, of, of female pool players. I mean, she's so accomplished, right? And so I'm like, I was scared a little bit, you know? I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to ask. And then um, it was very intimate because we're at the table with each other. And um, she is probably one of the greatest people uh, in this industry. And not just that, just as a human being. I like to say, like, a lot of people are my favorite humans because she's just a joy to be around. And that class that I took with her was absolutely phenomenal. And I highly, highly suggest if anybody has the opportunity to take that weekend long class, because it's the next two days are like eight hours of training with Allison Fisher. I mean, you can't get no better than that. No. And so she's, she is just absolutely awesome. So anything that I can do, you know, to help, you know, if you want to get her on, man, I'll make a phone call like, and, and I'm sure she'll do it because people that don't know her need to know her because she is awesome. But so she's on, we have a partnership with her where we do the Allison Fisher line. You can get that on our website. Um, uh, Lori, Lori John Hanson, of course, uh, she needs no introduction. She's been so awesome. You know, I met her and her husband, Dave, and um, just great people, you know, from, from South Carolina. And like, like it's that Southern thing, you know, like she just makes you feel kind of like warm and fuzzy when you're around her. And she's just a super nice person. You know, then we got Aronis and Wilkie. And, um, and then we have some – Del Sim is along with us from New York. And, um, you know, we have uh, James Blackburn in North Carolina, some some other, like, uh, up-and-coming type players. And then we've got some local people here. Wilkie, of course. Uh, my buddy Steve Fleming, who is – he's plays, um, I would say, probably like semi-pro level, like at your I'm, level. But he's at, he's at – yeah, he's at every tournament, dude. Yeah, so.
1: we've Steve and I have had some battles over the years. Good player.
0: Yeah, he, he's so and he's such a great guy. He's actually my tournament director for the BSN uh, Diasphere Cup. Oh, nice. And, uh, nice. Yeah, so like I try to surround myself. So we do have like a long list of of some awesome players. I mean, Sky um, Hess, uh, she's a junior. She's 12, 11, what, 11, 12 years old now. Like she's one of our juniors, and then we have a couple other players that we're working on right now. And, uh, so we're really surrounded by like this family. Everybody knows everybody that's on board with us. And it really is kind of like a a family type atmosphere. And, um, that's what I really love about it because all these players, I have a personal relationship with, we talk, we text on the phone. I have, you know, um, a buddy of mine that's on, we, we call it the, the breakout Legion, which is like right under the pro level, but guys that are like weekend warriors and they're out playing all the time. The guy, Clint Pelosi out in Texas, super nice guy. Like <laughs> I didn't know Clint from anything, but you know, we text now and again and just, you know, share ideas. And he actually came up with the idea for the shirt that you, you wear a lot, which says um, the oh, yeah. one with the uh, B about it. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. He came up. Are you rocking it right now? <laughs> uh, here we go. Yeah. This is what I love right here. Sorry about this one. Show it. Yes. That one right there. Clint <laughs> Pelosi. I hope you're watching the podcast. He's rocking the shirt. And that was actually his idea. And it was such a cool idea, right? And then when I saw that you had him on, I was like, heck yeah, man. Like, that's such a great shirt.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: And uh, so, you know, he's he's like a weekend warrior guy who's out there and he plays down the Dallas Fort Worth uh, tour. And, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, had a lot of top finishes, so like we're super proud of him, and um, yeah. So I mean, it's we try to keep a tight knit kind of group, you know, and um, and that's what it's been, man. So it's been really cool having a relationship with all these all these uh, players.
1: So you mentioned Skyler Hess uh, as a junior player, and you know, I wanted to ask you about that. You're you're running six tournaments this year, and yeah. two of them are junior tournaments, and I'm seeing this across the country now, where there's almost this this resurgence of interest in the junior ranks uh yeah you know you're seeing it with rahana has a big junior event coming up you have those two coming up uh what do you think that's all about and, and why are you led to have you know two out of six of your events this year as juniors
0: well you know a lot of it by the way rahana awesome dude i uh, really respect what you got going on with with the juniors tournament and um so, so thank you for that. I know they're going to be in, in Roanoke at the Den. So a little, little plug for those guys because they're doing the right things too. But, um, you know, the reason why I think that it's, it's kind of coming back a little bit is because it kind of sucks, but people are starting to realize now how important this is. And I think that a lot of it has to do with when you're talking about junior players, and I'm not talking about kids that like to play pool. I'm talking about kids that are drilling every day, kids that are competing in adult tournaments and finishing, you know, in in the top five or even winning the tournaments. Like these are the players when you see them in person, you can't believe it. You know, um, you know, Skylar Hess, this is a a funny story, and you're going to like this. I don't know if I've told you this before. So I had to play Skylar Hess when she was about nine years old at uh, one of the state events uh, here in Maryland.
1: She tortured me.
0: Well, it's so funny the way it went down because I'm nervous, you know, and, and I'm nervous because I'm like, well, I have to play a nine-year-old. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, if I lose, like I'm I'm going to get drilled by every friend I know, like mm-hmm. forever that I lost to a nine-year-old. And then in my head, I'm thinking to myself, if I win, I'm going to look like a monster for beating this nine-year-old. Like I can't win here yeah. is all I kept thinking. And so I'm, I'm sitting at the table, we're playing, and her father, who I didn't know at the time, Robbie Hess, who was actually on our tournament staff uh, as well for the BSN uh, Dinosphere Cup, we've become very close now um, with with Skyler coming on board. He's sitting right next to me because I'm watching her shoot. And uh, and I had said the same thing. I looked over to him. I'm like, man, if I beat her, man, I'm going to look look terrible. Like, And I didn't even know it was her father at the time. And he's, he was just like, look, man, just play your game because she don't want anybody to lay down to her, you know, and she, she actually like despises that part of it, you know? (laughs) And so, so we're playing, um, we're playing 10 ball and it's a race to seven and I can't make this stuff up, man. It was the craziest thing that ever happened. She had comboed three 10 balls on me early in the match. And the reason why is because I would be hooked when I come to my shot and so a couple of times, like maybe I have to kick full table like into a small window to hit hit my ball, and I missed it three times when I got hooked. And she took ball in hand and lined up the next ball that was was had to be shot in, and she comboed it into the ten and the hole <laughs> <laughs> three times. No, I'm sorry, she did it to me four times. So in a race to seven, Joey, uh, in a, with a nine year old, it's four four. I'm deadlocked at four four. In a match with a nine-year-old and I, I i'm like sweating bullets and the worst thing about the whole situation was is like as i'm going back to my chair to sit down like after my shot i mean there's like 40 people around the table watching
1: yeah and i'm
0: like i've, I've never had 40 people watching me but they're watching her yeah you know they're, they're watching her play and they you know because she i mean everybody knew who she is and it's exciting because when you're watching a 9 10 11 12 year old like you can't believe your eyes oh you're right you know, i make making four or five balls in a row you're like i didn't start playing until i was in like in my 20s mm-hmm. seriously so i'm like i can't even imagine doing this so i'm at the table it's four four she, she hooks me again all right and i'm not making this up i, I get hooked again I've got to kick full table length to hit my ball, and I think I, I have to hit the five ball. It's sitting dead smack in the middle of the table. So, I mean, if I come off any way, you know, I, I could miss it, right, left or right. So oh. I'm, like, looking at the shot, and I'm like, I, I can't let her make another 10-ball combo. I mean, because the 10 was sitting by the pocket. <laughs> she could have got a cue ball in hand, just play five ten, and now I'm down 5-4. So I'm sitting there looking at the table, looking at the table, looking at the table, and I, and I just think to myself, I don't want to take the shot because if I miss it, she's going to do it again. So I purposely take an intentional foul. Oh my gosh. And I I move the 10 ball out of the hole. Like I I kick off the rail and move the 10 up, up all the way up the other side of the table. And as I'm turning around, the 40 people that are watching are laughing hysterically. (laughs) They're just dying laughing. And as I'm sitting down in my chair, I'm like, she's not going to make another combo on me in this game. You know, like, I purpose, like, she put me in that state of mind to where I was like, I can't go through this. Like, Jeez. I'm going to, so, like, she played so well that it forced me out of, you know, like, how I would normally play. Yeah. And forced me to make a decision that I probably would have made if I was playing, you know, somebody at a super high level, you know, because I didn't want to go down five four. And, you know, of course, I ended up winning the match 7-4, and it was, like, one of the greatest experiences of my life playing with her. And I felt, I'll be honest with you, that match is when I fell in love with her. And, and I fell in love with her family. Her mom, Rachel, and uh, her dad, Robbie, are great people. And, and then she's got a little brother. And um, I absolutely love them to death. And that's kind of what started down the road with really keeping an eye on her. And then she won, like, the Junior National Championship out in Vegas, And then um, the main thing for me is she was buying our gear. So, like, she wasn't sponsored by us, but she made a a conscious effort. Every time we were at, like, a show or whatever, she would come up and buy something. And I remember her father telling me the story later. She was like, I mean, you know, like, I wore hustling at the time and all these different things, but she wanted to wear your gear. And so, like, for me, it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, here's this kid that plays so well. And she's making a conscious effort to choose to buy my brand of clothing over anybody else's that she can have. And to me, it really was like it spoke volumes as her her decision level is so much higher than what her age is. And if you ever meet her, you can tell right off the bat, I mean, she is well beyond her years, you know, when it comes to that sort of thing. So it really kind of touched me in a way, you know, where she was like, I just want to rock his gear because I like it, you know? And so I really had to take a hard look at it. And, and, you know, after I watched her and followed her, um, her playing and and her tournaments, I just said, man, it's the right thing to do. Like I want to bring her on board with us, you know, because she deserves it, you know? And I think that, I think that a lot of people now are starting, you know, my point of this whole story is, you know, that people are really kind of starting to understand now that this is our youth is the future of the sport. And so if we don't spend more time with them right now, you know, if we don't have more juniors tournaments, more people putting the spotlight on these kids, like we're going to be in a bad spot, you know, as they grow up, right? We don't want them. We want them to be role models at the at the pro level, right? And now we're in this, I don't want to say like millennials because that's not really what they are, but we're in this age where they're moldable right? So we look at kind of what we are talking about earlier, like some of the issues and some of the onus on the players doing these things. Well, here we have an opportunity now to show the kids the right way to do it. And so if we can focus our energy on that, then this whole next, you know, slew of kids that are coming up into these levels, you know, are going to have these things that we're teaching them already. And so that will better the sport as well. And I think a lot of these guys like Ra you know, Ra has always been super supportive of the kids anyways, but, you know, he understands – you know, I, we've never talked about this, you know, and I have talked to Ra a few times, but, you know, he understands, as I guarantee you for a fact he understands what I'm saying. He is very important. I mean, look at Chris Robinson. They're real big with Chris, and he was a guy that kind of came up from, Man. you know, from a kid, and then he was came through the amateur ranks, and then boom, you know, now he's on the Moscone Cup. You know, but it's because somebody – you know, saw something in him, and, and they really kind of take some time to cultivate him. And I, and I think that the more and more that we'll have that happening, you, the more you'll see stuff like Chris Robinson, you know, reaching these these heights. Like Skyler, she wants to be – she wants to play on the Moscone Cup team. And, like, I just love that because I'm like, let's do everything we can to make that happen, yeah. you know, because it can. Chris is a perfect example of it, you know.
1: Yeah, I just so, – I just had Chris on the podcast. Just released that episode, oh, yeah. yeah, and you know it kind of got me thinking about something. So as I was coming up as a player, I remember my dad. He would teach me how to play in the basement. Wouldn't take me out to the pool hall very much until I was probably about fifteen or sixteen. He started taking me to a few tournaments, and I think he did a really masterful job of keeping my priorities in line and training me to be a pool player, but also warning me about the bad element in pool. And yeah. realistically that bad element is still around, but I think what we're seeing is that it's changing, right? It's, it's a little less of the hustling because you really know everybody now and you have the internet and you have cell phones and, and ways to kind of communicate that information. And so now we're seeing more players like the Chris Robinsons. There's these two brothers in San Antonio. I don't know if you've heard of them, the Martinez brothers, uh, fabulous players. And one of them beat uh, Roberto Gomez in the Texas open. Uh, well, wow. went right through him. And so I think we're seeing that now where the game is changing in the United States. The image is changing and we need to ride that momentum with these younger kids and really change uh, the perception of the sport. You know, I think there's an opportunity to do that. And if you look at Europe, as the players are coming up in Europe, it's totally different than what I remember when I was coming up in the United States. You know, a different yeah. different environment, you know, they, they treat the game different, they work out, they eat well. You know, they, they practice for hours a day and it's just a whole different type of ball game. And I think with this junior program that, that I'm seeing from you, from Raw, from other people really trying to get juniors uh, in the, in the spotlight here, we're going to start seeing more of that in the United States. And I'm pretty excited for it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Me too, man. Yeah.
1: Well, Jake. You, you, this has been great. You spent a lot of time with me and, and I just just having such a good time talking to you that I think we've been almost an hour and a half.
0: I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just now looking at the time. I'm like, Holy cow. Yeah. I need to shorten on my stories. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but it's,
1: it's my channel. So who cares? We're going to roll with it. Yeah. So there I just wanted to see if you have any, uh, last thoughts for folks, maybe folks who haven't tried your, your products, uh, from breakout, or maybe they're considering making a trip out to play in, one of the billiard sports network events, you know, any, any final thoughts you have for folks?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we appreciate all the support. Um, You know, we certainly understand like I I wear, I wear Nike and Adidas and Reebok and all these different things. So there's lots of different things that you can wear out there. So, you know, everybody needs your support in this industry. Um, You know, I certainly do appreciate it. If you haven't been a customer of ours yet, please do. So Uh, you can go to shop, uh, uh, for apparel.com and, and get some gear on there. And I, didn't, I wasn't going to do this, but I'll do a code just for people that are watching your show this time. Uh, we'll do like PPP25, but I'll make it active. And uh, and so, you know, people can save 25% off. So if you're new, you know, to the product, you know, hop on there and just, just put in the code. Um, and as far as as far as the championships are, are concerned, you know, we want juniors, like especially this first tournament in February, which is February 20th and 21st we want juniors from all over the world to be there so not just the united states but if anybody's watching that has kids in europe or wherever and they want to come play we definitely open open arms accept you we'd love to have you at the tournament you can get all the information at the uh, bsncup.com and of course we have a billiard sports network facebook page all the stuff and information is posted on there um, and any any support that you can do for, you know, for the tournament, um, whether you want to be a sponsor or you want to advertise, you know, we're just happy to have that. You can reach out to me directly. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, that, that's it. You know, we just support everybody that's in this industry. We all we all need it. You know, we all need it.